Ladies and gentlemen, saints and missionaries, welcome to Beyond Damascus, the show that brings you the life-changing encounters of ordinary people that launch them into lives of extraordinary mission. You know, when St. Paul encountered the living God on the road to Damascus, he became a missionary to the nations. And we want to see hearts on fire for Jesus. We want to see Christians living missionary lifestyles. We want to see revival in the Catholic Church in America. I'm your host today, Aaron Richards, and I'm joined here in studio with my good friend and brother in Christ, Dan Demite. Dan, how are you? I am living the dream, Aaron. Amen. Beyond Damascus is a co-production of St. Gabriel Catholic Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. For those joining us for the first time, Dan and I are leaders of a passionate, spirit-filled missionary community called Damascus, where we awaken, empower, and equip a generation to live the adventure of their Catholic faith through life-changing encounters. This show features the life-changing testimonies, those uh, Damascus moments where we encounter the Lord, but more importantly, what we do with our lives beyond Damascus. Amen to that. Let's open today's episode in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Good and gracious God, you are powerful. You are good. And you are love. We pray, Lord, that you would send your power, your goodness, and your love upon us, your listeners today. We pray that you would allow the Holy Spirit to transform us so that we can transform others, Lord. That you would allow the Spirit to pour out into us so that we could pour out into others. I pray, Lord, that we would live like you, that Mm -hmm. we would live Jesus, that we would live Bible, that we would live lives dedicated for the kingdom of God. Lord, I pray that your Spirit would burn in us and that we wouldn't uh, be able not to live as missionaries in this world, but you would propel us forward and put a fire in us that could not be quenched. Lord, all of our <laughs> listeners today, I just pray that you would bless them, yes, bless Lord. their families, allow them to experience your goodness in their day-to-day lives. I pray this show would encourage them, Lord, to live lives of uh, holiness and live lives of mission. Amen. We, we pray, pray for all life-changing encounters Jesus. in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Mm. We've got a heck of a testimony today, okay? Okay, we've oh, got, man. We've got the life, uh, the life story. Of, we are bringing on an incredible guest. We, a a it, hero it was really, of the faith. It took us a while to land this guest, too. It was like, man, we like have searched. like I kept calling his agent. It was like <laughs> agent after agent after agent. We had to fill out all this paperwork. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, get ready for the best we're, guest we're, okay, of all. Okay, okay, so... Um, this is this is a historical guest. Uh, so yeah. today we're we're gonna be we're gonna be telling the story of someone who's who's changed the history of our church. And you know, um, I just want to jump right into the to the life of this guy. So uh, as you know, um, in in the time of the the Old Testament and the time of Jesus, uh, things were a little different in how we lived out the practice of our faith. So I want to tell you the story of of heroism that that this man um, began in his journey. So. From a young age, uh, today's guest was formed in the foundations of his faith. He was formed in being um, one who could who could beautifully and effortlessly communicate the truth of God in a way that would convince others. In fact, um, he had such dedication that he was he was trained in the art of the communication of the word in in such a powerful way. And people looked at him with tremendous reverence. They looked at him as as a leader and they looked at him as one who even in their time of weakness even in their times of of questions of how to live out the practice of their faith that they could depend on him for strength and stability and for defense and this particular 
man that we're speaking about today, he went on in times of tremendous change as actually the the, the truth and the practice of, of of faith was being questioned and being changed because uh, you know there was a lot of in the time in which he lived there was there was this new uh, practice this new movement that was coming about and uh, it, it was a complete different take on the effective and clear uh, traditional communication of the content of faith experience. And as he continued to be um, become more and more deeply ingrained in this process of defending truth, he actually became a defender of his faith. And to the point where, now once again, today we don't use violence or threats to defend against you know what could be considered heretical movements. Um, but he truly stood up in a time when no one else would, and he became a defender of his faith to the point where he would actually go out and he would seek out those who were speaking heresy, and he would seek out those who were speaking against the truth that he had come to know, and he would he would bring them to justice, and he would bring them to ultimately uh, punishment. And even at times, he would because he believed so strongly in what he was doing, he would bring them to the point of persecution and even death. And uh, this man had sold out his entire life for this mission. And then as we're going to hear today, one day, everything changed. That's pretty powerful, right? And I think a lot of times we think of this guest of ours as someone who um, was just horrible <laughs> and and somehow became good, but he was actually good and became great. And, and God had a plan for him uh, that was bigger and better. Should we welcome our guest on, Aaron? Let's welcome him. All right, ladies and gentlemen, give a big round of applause for St. Paul. <laughs> Woo! Yes, St. Paul. You are amazing. If only he could speak to us today. <laughs> Let, brothers and sisters, we often feature people's testimonies, and today we want to talk about the testimony of St. Paul yeah, or uh, Saul yeah, a, a, of Tarsus. A, a spiritual father for, for us and for so many. You know, as, as, we, as we carry on the mission of, of evangelization, as we carry on the call to our, to our, our apostolic faith, right? That, that we are called in the in the likeness of Saint Paul to live a life of 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 fearless missionary zeal. Amen to that. We we call our show Beyond Damascus because we want um, all of us to understand that we have a, a a life that's rooted in missionary zeal, like Saint Paul. That he had this incredible conversion on the road to Damascus, but it didn't stop there. Right, that uh, once he got into Damascus, he had this profound experience that propelled him to become a great apostle for the faith, and and that that is the kind of lifestyle that we want to live today. Yeah. That we would not be men and women who have an encounter with Jesus, but that after that encounter, that we live lives of missionary zeal. And um, so we're going to talk about his encounter. We're going to yeah. talk about his life and his mission. Um, but more importantly, I want us to really know that we are all called to have this Damascus, Damascus experience, that yep. it doesn't have to be um, as big and as bold as St. Paul's, but there should be an experience in your life I don't that know is about profound. That, I think right? it does. That God wants to do something. <laughs> 
something that shifts and alters yeah. our life. And yeah, what I meant by that is you don't have to be one who's breathing murderous threats against the Jews yeah. in order to convert, right? I mean, against the Christians in order yeah. to convert. But you have to be someone who, after your conversion, life is completely uh-huh. different. Oh, and I, I, why do why do we op- open the show like this? I, I it's so. I don't know. Sometimes when we speak about conversion, I think that we 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 paint this really romantic picture that like I'm being saved from something horrible, right? No one no one wants to be an addict, right? No one wants to be an immoral person. Um and when someone is saved from that lifestyle, it's like, wow, I was in the darkness and now I'm brought into the light. And uh Paul's conversion was was so is so profound to us. Why? Because he he wasn't a bad guy, right? He he Paul Paul was so passionate about the life that he knew God had called him to, about the life that he had prepared his his entire life for. He was living the dream. Um, he, you know, uh, tradition would say that that Paul was was among the highest of the Pharisees, right? That he was he was one of the great teachers. He was one of the great defenders of the faith, defenders of the law. I imagine that Paul was highly, highly regarded among the Jews. In fact, that's probably why he was the one tasked with the extraordinary difficulty of trying to root out this Christian heretical movement, right? And um, man, it, it was it was from that place. It was from a place of complete righteousness that Paul was called to change everything. It was from a place of of complete lifelong preparation and training and effort that that in a moment in an encounter with Jesus Paul was willing to to give it all away i mean even when we look at the lives of of we were just talking about the the call of the first apostles at Catholic Youth Summer Camp this past week and when we look at the lives of um of Matthew and James and John right that that these guys were were fishermen um but I, I think I think Paul's conversion is even 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 more profound than that, right? Uh, in my mind, I guess I'm not a fisherman. I guess there are some people who are probably pretty passionate about fishing. Mm. Um, but there, they were being called to leave a career, right? They were being called to leave a, a lifestyle. Paul was being called to leave and to change and to question everything that he had that he had known and grown in and defended with his with his life. And his great status, right? Like yeah. that he he rejected the status of the world in order to follow this man named Jesus. Yeah. So we're going to take a short break. When we get back from our break, we're going to go through the conversion of St. Paul and just experience the lifestyle uh, that we are called to as Christians yeah. today. You're listening to Beyond Damascus, a co-production of St. Gabriel Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. We will be right back. When Jesus was fasting in the desert, the devil tempted him to turn a stone to bread, to become king of the world, and to throw himself down from the temple and defy mortality. All that boiled down to a temptation to renounce his frail humanity. Jesus chose hunger, powerlessness, and mortality. We're tempted because of ego to renounce our humanity. The devil's first temptation to Adam and Eve was, you will become like gods. Ego can drive us to work to make a monument of accomplishments to ourselves. It drives us to earn more and more money because we think it makes us powerful. Drives us to obsess over the impact we make or how well known we become because we think that will immortalize us. Give it up. 
There's a difference between you and God. God never thinks he's you. Do a gut check of those ways ego is driving your dreams. Because if it is, you're missing all that matters most. And your wife is probably missing that happy, carefree guy she married years ago. Send us a message at connect at reallifecatholic.com. This is Chris Stefanik from reallifecatholic.com. Once again, welcome back to Beyond Damascus, where we hear the life-changing encounters of ordinary people that launch them into lives of extraordinary mission. This is a co-production of St. Gabriel Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the global EWTN Radio Network. Dan, we're talking about the life of St. Paul today. And listeners, you've heard this story before, probably a hundred, a thousand times. And uh, today, I, I want to encourage you to continue to listen in because I just, the Lord has got new fruit to share with us today. Yeah, I just love this. This comes from Acts chapter 9. It says, Meanwhile, Saul, still breathing murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. Now, Aaron, I don't know if you've ever met someone breathing murderous threats against Christians. <laughs> a time or two. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I've actually come across someone like that. So so Saul was, uh, in his uh, righteousness, if you will, he was um, intense, right? He, yeah. he stood by and uh, ordered the... Um, the stoning of St. Stephen, our first martyr. And so Mm -hmm. Saul, while still breathing murderous threats against the Lord's disciples, he went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found anyone there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. And so as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he says, Lord, who are you? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Mm. Now get up and go into the city of Damascus, and you will be told what you must do. That's just so powerful, Aaron. You know, like we, we... I think sometimes we miss just how profound this moment of Paul's conversion is yeah. that at the moment of his conversion, he hears the voice of God. Yeah. I was just thinking now, Dan, that um, I, I, <laughs> I, I don't think I ever had a conversion moment like this where I was doing the bad thing. And then all of a sudden I heard the voice of Jesus and, um, and everything changed. You know, uh, I think sometimes in Catholic circles, we, we like to, <laughs> you may have heard before that, Oh, I have like a, I have a St. Peter conversion where I was just <laughs> raised up slowly through the course of time. Like I just, I fell into my, my natural destiny, um, versus the St. Paul conversion where, where God came and actually shone a bright light and, and spoke to me. But I, I, I want to turn that on its head a little bit right now. You know, um, every time that we encounter the voice of Jesus, our life is changed. Hopefully, right? <laughs> every time, every time that we encounter the power of Jesus, like, man, I'm even thinking, gosh, today in our, in my, in my morning prayer, mm-hmm. as, as I, as I prayed and heard the Lord speak to me, like that, that we have such a profound invitation daily to, uh, to encounter the Lord in a new way. And like Paul, who, um, who in, encountered the voice of the Lord, that we too have not only the capacity, but the invitation to have that kind of a relationship with God where we can, we can hear his voice and we can, we can understand his, his desire for us. We're not called to live this life blindly following some 
um, righteous call, right? We're called to live this life in relationship with a person. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good because I hear all the time, oh, I never I never had a, a Paul conversion or I never had a Damascus conversion, you know? And uh, and what you're saying is, no, we we have the opportunity to have these Paul moments yeah. every single morning if when you we wake up in prayer. If you haven't had it yet, have it now. Exactly. Like, have it today. Have it tonight. Um yeah. Jesus says in John's gospel that, you know, he describes us as himself as the good shepherd and us as the sheep. And I think so many times we, 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 we would be told or we would believe that this is all a parable about, about mm-hmm. Jesus's love and his compassion and his pastoral care. And it, it, that, that's true. That's not it, though. Um, Jesus chooses the, the parable of the shepherd and the sheep for only one reason. And that reason is because he goes on in John chapter 10 to explain that the sheep hear the voice of the shepherd and they follow him, that the relationship that he's trying to establish is one of, of sheep who can hear and understand the voice of the shepherd, that we are made, uh, listeners, you are made to hear and understand the voice of the Lord. And it's the voice of the Lord, it's the light of life that is spoken over St. Paul that that completely changes the direction of his life. Well, and so, and historically, what would happen was in Jesus's time, there would be five shepherds, and they would all go into the same pasture to graze their sheep. And you know, if I had twenty sheep, and every other shepherd had twenty sheep, you've got a hundred sheep in the sh- pasture. And the sheep recognize their shepherd's voice. And so if another shepherd starts saying, come on over here, sheep, right? The sheep I'm recognize. sure that's how they would say it. Yeah, exactly. Come on, let's go. We're, we're moving out. <laughs> they, they recognize their shepherd's voice. And, and we have all these voices, right? Amen. And Paul saw this moment in his life. He had these other voices in his life. Good voices. Good strong voices. voices. Yeah, righteous righteousness, right? The understanding of righteousness in this time period was that you lived according to the law. And so Paul... Paul was striving to be righteous and live according to the law. And these voices were telling him one thing. And now all of a sudden he hears the good shepherd's voice like, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I just wonder if the voice of God has broken into your heart yet. Like if you've heard him speak to you and if you've taken time in the silence to allow Jesus to speak. Father, I just ask right now that you would speak, that you would just reveal yourself Mm-hmm. The ears would be open. The deaf ears would be able to hear that those the 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 other voices in your life would disappear, but that Jesus would come in and speak. Yeah, and so, many, says, so many times I think that uh, we we would we would believe that I can't understand God's voice, mm-hmm. right? And um, and that's not that's not God's will for us. You know, uh, one of my favorite stories is Samuel in the Old Testament when when he hears the voice of God. Uh, what what do you remember what he does right he goes to eli and says eli why are you calling me why because because he was authentically hearing the true voice of god god was calling him in the night but it, the voice of god was so familiar to samuel that he he confused it with eli mm-hmm. right um don't discount the voice of god speaking into your life because it's too familiar um the voice of god may sound like your voice it may sound like Eli's voice, right? That that we have to be ready to respond to what God's calling us to do. We could stay here all day. Yeah. Dan, what's next? No, I just love it. He says, who are you, Lord? And he says, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Right off the bat, the Lord convicts Saul's 
life for repentance, yeah. right? That it's and and it's not that Jesus says like you are evil, right? Instead, he reframes. He allows Saul to see in this moment of conversion his former way of life, and he shows him a new way of life. That that former way of life that you once thought was good, you are persecuting me, mm-hmm. the Lord of your life, and and so uh, as he was walking in this former way of life, now all of a sudden this bright light that comes reveals to him the fullness of truth of the life that he was living, that yeah. it's not, it is contrary to the life that God is calling him to leave, live. Yeah. And, and conversion mounts up, this repentance mounts up in his heart. Yeah. He says, now get up to go into the city of Damascus, and you will be told what you must do. These are just the words of, of conversion, right? Like, So you understand repentance. You're persecuting me. There's repentance that happens in the heart. And now you get up from that moment of conversion, that moment of repentance, and that's when you discover your real vocational mm-hmm. call. What are you called to do? And, uh, and he goes, right? And he goes. And this is neat because uh, when, Paul, when Paul left, for Damascus, he left as the great one, right? He left. He left as the leader of the faith. He left as as the um, the expert. And all of a sudden, now he's actually entering into the city to which he was sent, and he's entering in as the as blind, first of all, and completely disoriented and um, reoriented into a new way of life. He doesn't know what he's going to do. He doesn't know what the plan is anymore. I wonder what happened to the guys who were traveling with Paul that day, with Saul that day, right? Um, he's he's wandering blindly now into the city where he was going to go from a position of power, and now he's entering in a position of complete humility, and he's entering ultimately to to be to be awakened and to be empowered and to be equipped. Amen to that. Yeah, the name Saul means great one, and the name Paul means little one. That in order to be great, we must be little. And the Lord was trying to show Saul of Tarsus that you hunger for greatness for me, and you hunger to be uh, great for the kingdom of God, and I'm going to make you little so that I can make you great, right? Mm -hmm. Just like Our Lady, that uh, the the Lord casts down the mighty from their thrones, and he lifts up the lowly. And the Lord wants to exalt the little ones. So it goes on in Acts chapter 9, verse 7. It says, The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand to Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything, right? Three days? What? A, hmm, interesting. I just wonder what that symbolizes. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called out to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. Once again, Ananias so is this ready. So guy's, this guy's the Pope, right? <laughs> yeah. No, he's not. He's a bishop? Nope, nope. Priest? Nope. Just a guy. No, he wasn't one of the 12. (laughs) Ananias, it just is this random guy, this disciple in Damascus, right? Uh Like, we don't know, we know very little about Ananias. It's just this. So imagine, like, sometimes we can feel like we're, like, "Mm, I'm just, like, just another Catholic. Like, God doesn't have this great call for me. He doesn't have this huge purpose for me in my life. I just don't feel like God's positioned me. It wasn't like Ananias was one of the 12 apostles. He wasn't one of, like, it's just this. All we know about Ananias is he was a disciple 
at Damascus. Right? Yeah. He was a follower of the Lord, and, and the Lord calls to him in a vision. Are visions normal? Yes. Yes, right? Anyone who has received the Holy Spirit, we will hear the voice of God and we will have visions, right? And he says, Ananias. And what does Ananias do? He's ready. He's poised. He he understands the voice of God. So he responds, yes, Lord, he answered. So this disciple at Damascus, he was ready to respond, <laughs> yes, right? Imagine just sitting down to your daily prayer, yeah, hanging out, uh, opening up the Bible, and then, and then God says, "Hey, you ready for a job?" Yeah. Do we do we propose our dip morning prayer like that? Like, do we sit down ready to go? Like, okay, Lord, I expect you to speak to me and give me a vision for my day. Am I ready to hear God say, Daniel? Like, I've got a plan for you today. Or and it doesn't even. We don't know. He may not even been at prayer. Right. He may have yeah. just been like tending to his household chores, like getting like taking the water out, you know, <laughs> like all of a sudden the Lord says Ananias and he was ready. Yes, Lord. Right. Mm-hmm. Are we ready? The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on straight street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is, uh, <laughs> for he is praying in a vision. He has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him that he would restore su- sight. So imagine, right? Like, okay, <laughs> I know this Saul of Tarsus. I know yeah. that he received letters from the synagogues that anyone in Damascus, that he that was following Christ would be arrested and thrown in prison in Jerusalem. And you want me to go to Sarv Tarsus, the one who ordered the death of um, my, brother, Stephen. my brother Stephen. Yeah. And so Ananias says, Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all <laughs> the harm he has done for your holy people in Jerusalem. Do we have conversations like that in prayer? Yeah. <laughs> like, and I, you know, we, and we start, yeah, exactly. Like the Lord says, I want you to reach out to this person oh lord don't you like you know who this person is like yeah. they they they're they're against you they they don't believe in this they don't believe in that they've they they've wrecked your name yeah and you know the, so let's look at this dialogue real quick this is so cool so so uh ananias in in clarity hears a word from the lord saying to reach out to this person and then ananias in clarity communicates back to the lord and sa- and and shares his fears right Let's look at this a different way, which I think is maybe how most of us in our daily routine of prayer and if if we're not being intentional in 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 giving the Lord the honor and and the and the um, distinction that that this that that's happening here, I think this could go a different way. Like maybe maybe you shared this experience that I'm I'm walking through my day, I'm getting my morning coffee, and all of a sudden there's a little there's a little inspiration in my mind that you know hey i should reach out to this person who i had a I, I blew up on yesterday and all of a sudden i go through my process and i just i i i realize that that would be ridiculous this person doesn't deserve my mercy and i just dismiss it as nothing right so an authentic call from the god from an authentic call from god may have been placed in your life god may be speaking to you right now that hey that that person who you're thinking right now is beyond help that person that you're thinking right now is 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 um oh that would be too difficult oh that would be too inconvenient oh that would be too problematic oh that would be too uncomfortable like if we honor this and say jesus is this you and instead of responding and say ah that that would be too challenging today let's bring it back to the lord and say god that sounds really difficult mm-hmm. right what do you have to say about that engage in the dialogue 
That's so amazing. And I, I think that as you engage in the dialogue, great things happen. And if you dismiss the dialogue, you miss the opportunity to bring the kingdom of God here on earth, right? Imagine if Ananias was like, nope, sorry, that's ridiculous. Why? That can't be the Lord speaking to me right now. Why would the Lord ask me to reach out to solve Tarsus? So you know? unreasonable. Like, that's that's ridiculous. <laughs> and and we do that all the time. We're like, oh, there's no way that's God, right? And But the Lord is the, the God of the impossible. He's the God Amen. of miracles. And so, every, like, a lot of times, he's going to ask us to do ridiculous things, right? So, Lord, I have heard many reports of this man, and all about the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem, how he has come, and now he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord says to Ananias, go, for this man is my chosen instrument Mm -hmm. to carry my name to the Gentiles, to kings, and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Mm. Whoa! I just love that, right? That the Lord... Lord speaks a prophetic word to Ananias of Saul's de- uh, destiny. Yeah. The Saul, now in conversation with God, <laughs> receives the gift of prophecy to see clearly who God sees Saul, uh, Saul as. Yeah. That, Ananias that, receives that gift. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, Ananias receives clarity, right? And while a lot of times, now, <laughs> uh, at first he was, he, was, he was entering into prayer with the natural lens on, where he was, in the natural, he was seeing what man sees uh, that Saul was. That Saul was simply this um, Jew who was breathing murderous threats against the Christians and someone who was a threat to early Christianity. But because of prayer and because of the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden, now Ananias is blessed to see with a supernatural lens to see exactly what God sees. That God doesn't see what man sees, but he sees Paul, not Saul. Yeah. He sees the man who's going to carry the name of Jesus, the chosen instrument that will proclaim the gospel to Gentiles and to kings all mm-hmm. throughout Israel, right? That I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. And guess who, guess who didn't see that? The guy who's still sitting in the room blind, right? (laughs) Isn't that crazy that God actually revealed in advance the destiny of this great saint, of this great father of our faith to just the average Joe, right? And that, and that it was, it actually became, it became the, the, the prophetic call of Ananias to go and to proclaim mission and destiny and identity to one who would, who would far surpass him. Right. And uh, and to speak what was still an unreasonable, unexpected uh, change of events, change of direction, change of lifestyle to this man who who he was fearful of. Yeah. Imagine those three days that Paul must have been experiencing blind and just wondering, like, what like what's happened to my entire life and what will become of me? I thought I was this great, righteous man. And now all of a sudden I'm so broken and little and everything I once thought to be real and true and good and beautiful has just been turned upside down. Mm-hmm. And Ananias is going to come along and and charge Saul to become Paul, charge Saul to, to become this great yeah. apostle of the Lord. I don't know. I mean, Paul may have been sitting there in, in this room blind thinking, I've screwed <laughs> up and I, I'm no one. God's not going to use me anymore. Yeah. We, we share this call with our missionaries all the time at Damascus and you know, I, I I love the idea. So many times in in the church world and ministry, even in our own faith life, 
we we sort of have this misdirected perspective that like in order to lead others that I need to be perfect in order to raise others up, I need to be higher than them, right? That, that I, I, I need to have my life together. I need to have my faith together if I'm ever going to lead anyone, mm-hmm. if I'm ever going to guide anyone. And I've got to wait until my life is together before I would ever say yes to the call. And one of the profound things that I love to share with our missionaries on mission at Damascus is that you will be called to minister to people, to equip people, and to train people who will surpass you mm-hmm. in their holiness who will surpass you in their anointing, who will surpass you in their ministry, right? I mean, what if? <laughs> what would life be like if you were a sports coach and your goal was to only make your, your, your athletes as good as you were, right? Or maybe slightly less so they didn't challenge your pride. That would be, <laughs> that would be miserable. Or as a parent, like what parent would say, I only want my kids to be slightly less successful than I am. <laughs> Just right? a little bit. <laughs> so, uh, of course not. Uh, you know, this is the way that we practically live our life. We know that we're called to train and to equip and to carry on mm-hmm. and, and to raise up uh, children, to raise up um, those who would follow after us, who would surpass us in greatness. Um, and and this is your call today, that, that your call, it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter whether you are a priest, a bishop, a pope, whether you are the normal everyday mom or dad, whether you are a son or daughter, whether you're a, you're, you're a good friend, a bad friend, right? That your call is to train and to equip and to, and to call out, to speak into the destiny that God has for the people that you've got in, in your area of influence in your life. Amen to that. Yeah. I mean, in, in the eyes of God is, is Paul or Ananias greater? The, they are, they are equally great, right? Because yeah. they both responded to the call, uh, that the Lord placed in their heart. I mean, I think sometimes, and I, I can fall prey to this because I'm so zealous for the kingdom of God and I have such a hunger for greatness, right? Which is a virtue, right? Like magnanimity. Like we want to, we want to have the virtue to hunger for greatness. And that doesn't, that's not contrary to humility, right? That these mm. virtues balance each other. But the that in this hunger, sometimes we're like, I want to be St. Paul. I want to be St. Paul. But man, the church needs more Ananias, right? Like we need people who hear the voice of God and are willing to raise up the great saints like Paul, that are willing to activate apostles, that are willing to activate evangelists, that are yeah. willing to activate Holy Spirit-filled evangelizers. And so um, there's nothing small small about Ananias, that his call was great and glorious and his fearlessness is what led to the power of St. Paul. So it says, then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands. Oh, this is, this is where it gets really awesome. (laughs) Aaron, this is awesome. So placing his hands on Saul, he said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here. So he gives him a word of knowledge, right? He's like, so I've got this word of knowledge. Like, imagine going up to a stranger and saying, I know that the Lord appeared to you while you were walking yes. to this house, right? That can only go and, one of two ways. <laughs> so, so there's this amazing supernatural word of knowledge where the Lord has spoken to Ananias and he speaks this truth to Saul that as, as you were the, the Lord who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, he sent me so that you may see again and be 
be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's mm. eyes, and he could see again. So there's, there's. I just love this whole thing. You've got. Wait, a we, per- for, we, we forgot to mention that Ananias was a healing evangelist, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. This this <laughs> random disciple in in no, Damascus. Who he we was know. The, he was the guy. He was the normal guy. What is what does Mark say, or what does Jesus say in Mark sixteen? Right, the marks of the disciple. The marks of those who believe. These signs will accompany those who believe. Uh, you know that they will lay hands on the sick, and the sick will be healed. So if you don't, if you think like, oh, you know, I'm not this great saint in the church. I'm just a normal follower of the Lord. Well, then Ananias is your man, and he <laughs> he hears prophetic visions from the Lord and prophetic calls where he is called to go and transform people <clears throat> and raise people up and empower them who become great evangelists who will bring the gospel before kings and Gentiles. And then he's also the man who lays hands on the sick, gives words of knowledge and the sick recover, right? And so I think you're a normal follower of Jesus as well. And because of that, you're going to do the extraordinary. And because of that, you're going to make the supernatural natural. We thought the show was about Paul. (laughs) Oh, wait a second. (laughs) It's It's actually (laughs) about you. And after taking some food, Paul (laughs) regains his strength again. So this is what happens. So there's this powerful conversion moment. The, The full destiny of Saul is starting to be revealed but um i love this as as he's there it says saul spent several days with the disciples in damascus Mm -hmm. so what's happening during this time right saul is being coached up he's being trained he's being awakened he's being empowered he's being equipped i'm sure the disciples are are praying over him and filling him with the power of the holy spirit right that there's this there's this um amazing supernatural gift of the holy spirit and, and he's baptized in the holy spirit so now his life is able his ministry is able to um, to take place. Do you think, Aaron, that uh, St. Paul waits months and months and months before he starts evangelizing? <laughs> no. I, I bet he's evangelizing by his very presence. <laughs> Amen to that. It says, it says this, Acts 9.20, it says, Immediately, Immediately, Saul began to preach in the synagogue that Jesus is the Son of God. You know what word appears a lot in Scripture? Immediately. You know what word does not appear in scripture? <laughs> gradually, right? No one encounters Jesus and gradually begins to follow him, right? And when I encounter the power yeah. of the living God, immediately changed. I am changed. That Jesus Christ wants all of us to have a Damascus moment where I can point to a time in my life where everything <laughs> that once was is no longer. That yeah. my eyes have been restored so I see life anew. That the former way of life has passed away and the new life has begun. As St. Paul says to the Corinthians, behold, I am a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. This is what happened in his own life. This is what happens in Christianity, that I am transformed into a new creation so that I live by my very being a fundamentally different way of life. And if your way of life as a Christian is the same as it was before you heard the voice of God, perhaps you have not yet had a Damascus moment in your life. There has to be a moment, there's this time where I know that I am fundamentally different, that I have been transformed. And baptism does this in a supernatural way to the soul where my soul is transformed, but it's baptism in the Holy Spirit that changes my everyday walk, right? That the Holy Spirit falls over me and he transforms my everyday walk so that my everyday walk is different. And brothers and sisters, I want God to do that for you. If you haven't experienced <laughs> yeah, that, I want your everyday that? <laughs> walk 
to be new, right? That I would oh, say, man, man. And, and, and it's not a one and done thing. Like, no. I feel like, Aaron, I, I, just our own testimonies, we've experienced multiple Damascus moments where yeah. our everyday walk is transformed, right? Yeah. yeah, and call it what you want. Call it, like you said, baptism of the Holy Spirit. Call it that, that Damascus moment. Call it that time when God, when God came and God spoke to you, whatever. God, God wants to encounter you. And where does where does Saul go, right? He doesn't go on the streets. It's actually profound that the first place he goes is where he will be rejected most. He goes to the synagogues where people know who he is. And and so the <laughs> hey, first Hey, we're expecting you. Yeah. Thanks for finally showing up. <laughs> and his apostolic call ultimately was to the Gentiles, right? But God first sends him to his workplace, right? He sends him to the place where he was a well-known, where his fame was, where his popularity was, and and he's there and and maybe the first place God wants you to go is to your family and and that he wants you to start proclaiming the gospel to those who know who your former walk was, right? Or the first place he wants you to go to is to your workplace, right? Where people recognize you. Why? So that they can recognize in you that you are different, that you are, there's something fundamentally different in you. I knew who you were yesterday and now today you're a different, like you are a new creation and he proclaims that Jesus is the son of God. So have we gone? I think it's easy and I'll be honest, it's easiest to, to evangelize strangers, right? Because I don't care if, if strangers uh, yeah. reject me, like because uh, oh, I'll leave and go somewhere stakes, else. Stakes are pretty low. The stakes are low. It's hardest <laughs> to evangelize those who are closest to you and that's what he does. He goes to the synagogues. All those, this is what happens because of his bold witness, all those who heard him were astonished. Mm-hmm. They were astonished and they asked, isn't this the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who called on his name. And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful in the Holy Spirit and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by promoting that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. Does your lifestyle (laughs) astonish those who meet you? And do people, because of your witness, are they baffled like, oh, Lord Jesus, let it be so that my life would astonish people and that my life would baffle people, right? Like, thank you, Jesus, right? This is what Christianity should look like. And I I just love it. The Saul is changing people's lives by his mere presence, by his witness, by his testimony, by this conversion. And who activated it? Ananias, right? This is good stuff, man. I I hope that you listeners are hungry for this. Um, right after the break, uh, come on back. We're going to talk about where Paul is launched into mission. We're going to talk about uh, the mission of, of this show. We're going to talk about the mission of, of Damascus. And, and finally, we're going to pray that God would pour this out in your life. You're listening to Beyond Damascus. This is a co-production of St. Gabriel Catholic Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Join us right after the break. You know what? Life isn't fair. God isn't fair. Fairness would be if he let us go to hell because he made us for himself, we rejected him, and we got what we deserved. Fairness would be if there was no hope for heaven, no forgiveness. That would be fair. That would be just. Fairness in your life would be if someone offends you and you hold it over their heads for the rest of their lives and never forget it and never move on. Fairness would be when you judge people and you write them off based on a comment they made or who they voted for because you got them entirely figured out. 
you peg them. Hmm? Fairness makes us miserable. The central image of our faith is a man dying on a cross who is completely innocent for your sins. The central image of our faith, thank God, isn't fairness, it's mercy. And that's who God is calling you to be. To be merciful just as He is merciful. Send us a message at connect at reallifecatholic.com. This is Chris Stefanik from reallifecatholic.com. Welcome back to Beyond Damascus, the show where we experience the life-changing encounters of ordinary people that launch them into lives of extraordinary mission. And we're, we're talking about the first Damascus encounter today. Uh, so welcome back to the story of the life of St. Paul. We've, we've just finished up discussion about how Ananias was so critical in responding to God's call and in truly changing the life of the course of this man. And it was such a good thing, man. Uh, it was such a good experience. He went to that three-day retreat at, at Damascus. Yep. And um, and then what? Then what happened, Dan? Well, after that, like after this profound conversion experience, and after he had this awesome time at Damascus with the with other Christian uh, other Christians and community, and after he experienced healing, um, he went on and he lived his life, and it was just normal, like yeah. status quo. He he was comfortable. He didn't he's, really he's a, do he's anything. A good guy. Yeah, he's a good guy. He smiled at a lot of people when he went to grocery stores and told people to have a good day. Um, no, that's not true at all. That's ridiculous. You can't encounter the power Spit of the Almighty God and go on with life as normal, right? And um, Aaron, I think a lot of times this is what happens, right? Where yeah. we actually fail to understand the fullness of Christianity because we think it's about me and Jesus and not about the rest of the world. And yeah. Jesus didn't appear to Paul. I mean, he appeared to Paul first and foremost for his heart. Right, that he wanted to bring conversion, but it was so that he could activate Paul as well into a missionary disciple. But it's not enough to be a disciple; we must be missionary disciples. Amen. Amen. Yeah, I mean, in in youth ministry circles, a lot of times you'll hear this this idea that like you know our job isn't just to create this mountaintop experience, but it's to bring people back and teach them how to live everyday life as an everyday Christian. And I, I don't buy that, man. That like. This Damascus experience, this was the mountaintop experience. And and where did Paul go from here? He went to a bigger mountain, yep. right? He moved from glory to glory to glory, from victory to victory to victory. Paul, uh, Paul, through his conversion, he he, I mean, the miracles that flowed through the power of Jesus from this man's hands, it, it it's beyond belief, yeah. right? He he accomplished the conversion of thousands and thousands of people. He laid the framework, the foundation for the life of the early church through persecution, through imprisonment. I mean the 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 miraculous stories of the Acts of the Apostles. This is this is fun stuff. If you've ever read scripture and felt like, oh man, this is boring. This is my this is my daily task list. Like read Acts again. Mm-hmm. It's it's like it's it's better than a Marvel movie. Far I mean, better. Um, that our call, friends, is to live on the mountaintop. It's to bring others along with us. If if we're convinced that the mountaintop experience is something to be uh, cautious about, because ultimately I'm being called to live in the valley, right? Then you then you're not a city set on a hill, right? <laughs> you're not living the Christian call. We have mission in the valley, absolutely, but our life is 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 to be lived on the mountaintop. Seek out. 
the Damascus experience. Yeah, allow the Lord to to bring <clears throat> those moments of encounter constantly to you. And it was, I think, Paul. What it's it's this incredible experience where he undergoes insane persecution throughout mm-hmm. his life, right? And all, most of his letters are written from prison, and um, and yet the Lord continues to provide these insane moments of encounter with him, yes. where it's just like it, it's not like there was one moment of encounter and then the rest of his life like the Lord hid himself right yeah. no it was like the Lord called him into mission and in mission there was difficulties there was struggle there was chains there was persecution and ultimately there was death but the Lord was with him speaking to him working through him consoling him providing mm-hmm. for him and and the Lord goes with us into mission and I, I just love that like there's this mountaintop experience and I've encountered the living God and then what do I do I, I bring my friends with me there Amen. right that I I want to bring people into this encounter with Jesus Christ and teach them how to live this new life. Amen. Heaven's probably a pretty good mountaintop experience. Hey, mountain, and I and think mountain, it's and for mm, eternity. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's pray, Dan. Let's let's just pray right now that 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 our listeners could encounter that moment in the same way that that I I think you're hungry for right now. Mm-hmm. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. amen. God, come in power into our lives. I pray, Jesus, that you would remove every block that would stand against our capability to hear your voice right now. And in Jesus' name, Father, speak direction and speak life and speak mission and speak destiny into us. Father, I pray that the fire that you've placed in our hearts right now, that you would continue to fan it into flame. God, allow our bodies even now to feel that fire burning in Jesus' name. God, inspire us of our missionary call, not only to hear your voice, not only, but also to lead and to train and to equip and to charge and to respond and to carry your name. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I just pray that you would allow um, anyone who's discouraged in their faith right now to experience and encounter you in a new way, that you would just um, show them your power and your presence, Lord, that the light uh, of you, your light, would shine radiantly in their eyes, that you would fill them with the Holy Spirit, and that you would propel them into the nations, Lord, that you would be... uh, the Lord's just saying that you are his chosen instrument, that you are his chosen instrument to bring his name to the nations, that Mm -hmm. the Lord has raised you up to bring his name to his people, that there are people in your life who are hungry, who are starving, who are hurting, and who are broken. And and you've asked yourself, well, do I have what it takes? And the Lord says, I have chosen you to bring my name. You are my chosen instrument. So Lord, just allow us to hear your voice calling us and inviting us to bring your name to the world. Thank you, Jesus. Your name is so good. Your name is so great. We pray all of this in your holy name. Amen. Amen. So why is this this show called Beyond Damascus? Mm, Because uh, because we are called to, to, to live life on mission beyond our Damascus moment. So... Uh, I, I hope, I pray that you've been inspired today um, and that you'll continue to tune in as as we continue to speak about the mission of this place. There's another reason, too. You know why? Because, Do tell. Uh, because Dan and I, I, I shared earlier, we are, we're the leaders of this, of this amazing um, spirit-filled movement called Damascus. It's located here in Centerburg, Ohio. We, th- this summer, we've, we've taken a break from our daily routine. Right now, there's 600 young people at Damascus being formed and trained 
and built up in an incredible experience of faith called Catholic Youth Summer Camp. And those 600 are a part of 10,000 who are going to hear the gospel proclaimed powerfully this year. Um, th- this uh, we, We've got another really exciting fact that um, right now we are we're recording at the St. Gabriel Studios here in Columbus, Ohio, and we are actually going to be partnering with St. Gabriel in creating a Damascus Media Studio at Damascus, where we'll be recording this show live on campus in the future. So truly, this will be be a co-production of, of both St. Gabriel and Damascus Media as we continue to share and to expand and to grow. So beyond Damascus, we want to invite you to continue to join with us on mission of awakening and empowering and equipping the church to, to live the adventure of faith through uh at Damascus, it's world-class events in an environment of encounter. But we're going to bring you, uh, we're going to bring you the stories of those encounters on a on a weekly basis, so that you can continue to be inspired and called on a mission for yourselves. Yeah, you know, I think as you mentioned earlier, Aaron, a lot of times, and especially in youth ministry, uh, people can become critics, and they're like, "Well, we don't want to like just provide these mountaintop experiences for young people." And I think when when there's that mentality, if if we provide a mountaintop experience for young people, but we don't understand how to form them and shape them properly, what happens is they go home and and the faith dies out, right? And core to who we are is we believe in the Damascus story that that when you have a conversion at Damascus, when you have this moment of encounter with Jesus, where you hear his voice, you see his face, and your life is filled with a, a new horizon and a decisive direction, then you're propelled into mission. And it's interesting that we would be a community of missionaries, right, at a place of encounter, that we want to be at this community of missionaries that we would form not just um, people who have encountered Jesus, but we would form missionaries. And in uh, this call to shape and to form all people who have had an encounter with Jesus Christ to become missionaries, to be Mm -hmm. deployed back into their homes. And so we truly believe that it's these moments of encounter, these Damascus moments that will actually bring revival to the Catholic Church, that when I encounter the living God more fully, more powerfully, and then I'm deployed back into my parish, back into my schools, back into my families, back into my communities and my workplaces, that's when transformation happens. How are we going to transform the church? It's by, just like Paul, he had an encounter moment, he was prayed with for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and then he took that experience into the world. And that's exactly what we want to be, right? A people who lead people in an encounter with Jesus, fill them with the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and deploy them into their parishes, schools, families, communities. Amen. You can find out more about Damascus at damascuscampus.com. And once again, you've been listening today to Beyond Damascus. It's a co-production of St. Gabriel Catholic Radio and EWTN Radio, carried across the global, the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you again next week.